1: Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for May twenty fifth, twenty twenty one. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling feed or on our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms or applications. You can follow us on Twitter at OpenVoiceGate. If you would like to donate to the show, no obligation whatsoever. Just click the link in the show notes. It will take you to our redcircle.com landing page. You click the red rectangle that says sponsor this podcast and you can set up a one-time or recurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts, it's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears, joined alongside my co-host and friend K. In Case, this is it. We have watched now all of the round-robin portion of King of Gate that will be accessible for us. We have six six shows in two weeks in the books. I'm a little bit fried, but that's not necessarily for Dragon Gate-related reasons, but how are you doing tonight?
0: Well, Mike Spears, it's currently 81 degrees Fahrenheit in Chicago, Illinois, and I do not have air conditioning in my apartment. And what, what I have learned over the past week, uh, and, and I am someone that has described myself, much like Nick Weiger of the Doughboys podcast, as a little bit of a heat seeker. Now, Nick Weiger says that about spicy food. I say that about temperature, okay? I like it hot. I hate cold weather. If I never saw uh, a snowfall again, I would not miss it. But what I'm learning is that I am very sweaty in this apartment, and I have to turn off my big fan when we record this show because my big fan is very loud. And I am currently... Very sweaty as we record this Open the Voice Gate podcast. And it's admittedly not a great feeling. Like, I love this activity. I love this show. There's a level of self-awareness that I have that sometimes I do get very embarrassed right before we sit down and record. I'm like, okay, this is my life. This is what I've signed up for. Adding sweat to the mix, not great, going to be honest. Just a kind of a miserable experience right now. But I really enjoy these King of Gate shows. And other than that, other than the temperature in this apartment... I'm doing very well, Mike. How are you, though,
1: brother? It's been the 90s in the Upstate, and you know what happened today? Like at seven o'clock, like just an hour before we started recording, we had a summer rain shower that just hit. And let me tell you, there's few pleasures, like few simple pleasures in in the world that I love more, other than where there's original candy, because I'm an old man at heart. Then a nice cooling summer shower. So I, there's
0: something about that, like I I don't know how it is. Uh, down south but especially when I lived in Indiana like a nice summer afternoon hot rain where it's just oh god I love it I I am a big I I don't mind rain I I do not I do not mind rain I do not mind wind it is the windy city after all I obviously enjoy the heat I can handle the humidity I always when I played baseball as a kid and I was a high school caliber athlete uh, humi- humid games put me on the bump. I got seven innings in me if it's humid outside. 100% humidity, I'm 100% locked in. It is the cold weather that bothers me, so I am uh, suffering to some extent, but but I'm hanging in there, Mike.
1: Yeah, it, it's one of those things that when I was a high school athlete, um, we in Texas, you play soccer in the winter, which a lot of people think, oh, Texas, it's hot all the time. No, not during the winter, and not in Dallas-Fort Worth, where there's like no insulation, no ground cover. Like it get there's ice storms in Texas. And let me tell you something. You get used to. You never really get used to the cold. I feel like with the heat, you just eventually are like, okay, I'm a, I'm just a puddle of just human waste at a certain point. You just feel miserable. But like in the cold, especially like playing soccer, where like yeah, we had long sleeve shirts. But I mean, in the early two thousands, there really wasn't such thing as like Under Armour thermal gear that you wear. Like you could put on like a turtleneck and that's it. So. I, I, I've been used to that, but let me tell you, running around when it's 30 degrees outside, playing center midfielder, getting a ball to the face, not a fun experience at that time.
0: King of the Hill has led me to believe that people do not play soccer in Texas, so this is very interesting information for me. They they do an entire episode, basically, about how much the wind. soccer sucks. Yes, the wind. The wind. <laughs> well, well, well,
1: well, one of my top five episodes. I, I know think we, it's in my
0: top five, too. It is... Uh, the, that is the salt tablet episode, I believe. Yes, uh, yes, that which, is the salt
1: tablet episode.
0: Which I was handed, by the way, at my work yesterday, because I do work in the wacky world of morning radio, and we are always up to hijinks, Mike Spears, let me tell you. This, sh- this show, uh, we're a bunch of hooligans in the morning. We are the wildest show there is, and yesterday we had uh, salt tablets that you would smell like if you got a concussion in the 60s Uh, because that was kind of the remedy for it i was handed one and i smelled it i have to say it did knock me off my feet those things do suck (laughs) uh i was kind of shocked i was like oh they're hamming it up for the camera like i bet these aren't that bad and then i took a whiff and it sucks shit quite honestly it really did it was not a fun experience
1: i just don't like maybe it's the advances in modern sinus and we had i had to thank the the despicable university of florida for this with electrolytes but people were just were just like insane about like physics not physics sorry anatomy I was thinking physical activity and anatomy and thinking like oh yeah because we're sweating a lot that's salty we should have something salty too it's like you should have, you have something to replenishes your electrolytes but you shouldn't be like eating a salt lick there cuz that's why i imagine a salt tablets like like what you have a horse because again texas horses love salt licks and that's what i'm imagining that you basically had like miniature versions of that
0: I remember being fascinated by those blocks of salt you would give horses when I was a kid because I had horses growing up. Like I I, I lived on 10 acres and we, we housed our own horses and then at times other people's horses. And as a kid at the tractor supply store, which is a good store that I have not visited in quite a long time. Oh, I,
1: I, I went I, to one a couple of weeks ago.
0: How was that my experience? I know we've got a ton to get into, but I'd like to hear about your tractor supply experience first.
1: I mean, for one, this was during the mask mandate. So a lot of unhappy people at a tractor <laughs> supply having to wear a mask. And other than that, I mean, I love stores like that. Like like in Texas, we had Bucky's, which is basically Wawa, but actually good. I'm just kidding towards all fields today. Like I'm fired up. My dog's sick. We're ready to go. But it, it, it kind of remind me of Bucky's. And my favorite thing at like these stores are the kind of candy they offer. I've already mentioned I like where the originals. They have black licorice, like the Australian black licorice that I really like. So I, I loved it. I was having a great time.
0: The Australian black licorice that I really like. Mike, I, uh, I'm i going to move past that because that is a <laughs> sentence that I'm just not quite comfortable with. Let me ask you this before we talk about Drangate, though. Yeah. Uh, it was a very warm weekend in Chicago. And I think this can kind of, we can kind of segue into Drangate from this, but it was a very warm weekend in Chicago. Uh, people were out and about, to say the least. The beaches opened back up it looked like a normal weekend. I was riding public transportation with people that weren't wearing masks. And quite honestly, I was like, "Eh, what am I going to do? I'm I've done my part and I've done my part for 14, 14 and a half months. I have reached maximum capacity for caring or really even to some extent, judging other people. Uh, What is it like down South? Because Chicago, you know, we had Lollapalooza announced last week, riot fest is happening. Those are both going to be full capacity. Uh, it's it's a normal world again. Uh, White Sox went to 60% capacity today. Cubs will surely be back at 100% very shortly. What's it like down south? Is it just back to business as usual?
1: Brother, it was never out of business as usual down Damn. here.
0: Damn.
1: Like, you, you know when really, like, everyone was like, okay, we're done with this in South Carolina? Well, Which is just insane. It's insane. Like, I'm not going. It it should be very clear now about my general beliefs with these sort of things. They decided that they were done with this case last Easter.
0: (laughs) I mean, last Easter. There's a realistic argument to be made, and I'm not sure I'd be the one to make it, but I would certainly listen to the case that America was never fully, truly locked down. That even during the first three weeks, it was like, "Well, like, we can go out a little bit," and it it just it blows my mind, especially with uh, what has gone on in Canada recently, with obviously what's happening in Japan. America did not learn any lessons from the pandemic. We are simply sweeping it under the rug, and I'm guilty of that as well. It's it's whatever.
1: It, it's the world we live in, man. Like, it, it's sadly the state of things in this country, but, you know, it is. I, I forgot how you were going to segue here, so let's just get into it. Guys.
0: I, I was hoping for, like, a COVID attendance tie-in, because as of the time we're recording this, and we should note this is May 25th, As of the time we're recording this, the Cork and Hall show for next week, the King of Gate Finals, is on. Things could change, though. Uh, That show is scheduled for June 3rd. That is next Thursday in Cork and Hall. Uh, Like I said, the finals of the King of Gate Tournament are supposed to be there, but I was reading today that the state of of emergency that is uh, due to be lifted on May 30th could be extended, so we will see what happens there.
1: Yeah, it seems like that the big thing... Uh, is that they aren't, like, shutting down these things. Like, obviously, like, they wouldn't be doing sh- the shows that have been happening in and already if they w- were able to shut down, or they didn't shut down or allow these venues to open. But we'll see how things are going. I mean, it's a mess. It's a mess. I think that's, like, something that everyone can agree with is that it's a mess, the situation in Japan. However, in the one of the northernmost islands in the Japanese archipelago, in Hokkaido, there were three shows that happened at the Sapporo E1 Stadium. I don't know how ever we pronounced it last time. I'm going to say the E1, it's two eyes in a row, Stadium. It was the triumphant homecoming of both KZ and BB Hulk. And we had a lot of stuff go on on these shows. But just off the top, just big picture look about it. We'll, we'll get into like how the blocks are at the end of the show just because there were that there was that Chiba show that happened before that, and there were these shows that happened after it. But just off the top, in my opinion, really fun shows. Each show was about two hours in length. Each of them had either... I think each of them had... Well, the first show had three King of Gate matches. Of course, that's because Kay and Naruki Doi have been pulled due to COVID restrictions and due to precaution. But we had seven King of Gate matches through the weekend, a lot of other stuff, we had the Speedstar Final Countdown in Sapporo. I had a good time. I I don't know if—I think I liked last week's set of shows more than this week's set of shows, but, I, I mean, six hours of wrestling, and there was a lot of good stuff that happened.
0: Yeah, I would co-sign that take. I think last week's shows, obviously the, the Empty Arena show, which was really strong top to bottom, and then the two shows in Fukuoka that had Yamato versus Akuda. Dragon Kid versus KZ, Aita versus Dragon Kid, and Shun Skywalker versus Kaito Ashida, among others. I think those those shows, top to bottom, were a little stronger than these. But I can point to at least one thing on every single one of these shows, and I can say I really enjoyed that. That was either well done, it was smartly executed, it was great. In some cases, two really great matches. I thought this weekend. So another. Another enjoyable experience. I I think all of the tournament matches that aired this weekend are worth your time, Uh, even if they're not lighting up the spreadsheets or the notebooks to some extent. I think they're all worth your time. And there there was one show in Hokkaido that I thought had a really strong undercard as well, but we'll talk about that when we get to it.
1: Yeah, I think that's all entirely fair. So the shows were on the 21st, 22nd, 23rd. That means they'll remain up on the network until the 28th through the 30th consecutively. And it's, it's like, it's one of those venues that we've talked about this before. I've kind of initially, like aesthetically, It's like, I don't know if I really like this venue, having some Joe Lanza instead of exposed, uh, uh, basketball goals. We had, ex- but we had a lot of indoor soccer stuff, but you know, it's just easy watches and you can get through them real quick. Uh, starting off on night one on May 21st, attendance was two fifteen. Should we do the same plan that we did last time that we'll briefly run down, all the non-tournament matches, and if we have any big thoughts, and then we'll go to the big tournament matches and really get more in depth on those. We, we should probably should have talked about this before we hit record.
0: No, Mike, I, there's nothing I love more in wrestling podcasts than on-air production meeting. All of the best do it, and we are no different than them. And I think that's a great plan. Let's breeze through the undercard, and then let's hit the tournament matches hard.
1: All right. So for night one on May 21st, as I just mentioned, opened up with the unaffiliated tag team Don Fuji and Azushi Kanda. Versus the Masquerade team of Shun Skywalker and Koda Minenora. It was Koda Minenora getting the fall on Yazushi Kanda in 11 and 11 in 36 seconds. With the Ingranaje submission hold. Match 2, the Double Dragons Ultimo and Bukutomo, faced Maraha Sapa, Ginki Horiguchi, and Ryo Saito. It was Maraha Sapa, one of the pillars of the Dragon Gate Tag Team division throughout history. Getting the win as Ginki Horiguchi called up the heavens with a backslide from heaven. On Bukitama Dragon in nine minutes and in twenty six seconds, and then the only other non tournament match was a was an eight man tag. It was high end plus Problem Dragon, as it was Yamato Dragon Kid and Keisuke Gaikuda along with Problem Dragon versus Red of Ada, BB Hulk, Diamante, and Hio, which went to a double countout, which became kind of a theme of the weekend. And I'm just gonna get this out of the way. My man of the weekend is the person who became the master of the double countout. He has the biggest brain in all of wrestling. It is Hio, so just getting that out of the way right here, right now. Love big brain Hio here, but this undercard. I thought overall, you know, what it was just kind of what I what I was going to expect there. The double countout was a little bit underwhelming, but played into how the weekend went. But everything else on in the under in the undercard was was two expectations, if not a little bit better than that. I would say.
0: Yeah, I've got no real thoughts on the first two matches, other than the fact that. Uh, They'll never have a singles match. There's no reason for them to, but I do think Shun Skywalker and Don Fuji have really nice chemistry with one another. Uh, We we can probably talk about Shimizu at some point on one of these later shows, but this was a weekend where I just did not want him on my screen, and I felt like every time he was on there, he took up uh, a very large amount of time. As for the high-end versus R.E.D. match, that double-count-out match, one, the vision of Problem Dragon teaming with high-end is hilarious. Uh, no man has ever looked more out of place. He did not fit in. He did not match them. It was very, <laughs> very funny to look at, quite honestly. It, it in the rig, it was, you know, not exactly the R.E.D. 80 team. It was Hulk, Diamante, Ata, and yo And it was just God, Problem Dragon was so uh, overmatched <laughs> by just their skill and their technique. But I, I, we have not talked about any of these shows. I do not know your thoughts. I adored this double count out stuff. And I don't even blame people that are going to watch these shows and they're not going to be into it. I think it is, it's very specifically a dragon gate thing or a dragon system thing. Cause it goes back to Tori Yamada and M2K, but the way that they milked these double count outs, I thought was so entertaining and I was so into the Yamato versus yo stuff this entire weekend. I think it's going to be a real divider of people that are either wildly entertained by this or they thought it was a waste of time. That's fine. I have no argument for it other than the fact that I love it. I think it's something, the way Drangay does it, it's really unique to them. It's over with me. And Yamato and Hyo were the perfect guys to do this with. I, I Yamato breaking out at times into a full-on track star sprint to get in the ring before the 20 count. I have never seen this man run this fast before. I did not know this man could run that fast, and he would do it and break the count at 19. He did it in this match, and he certainly attempted to do it in their block play match. I was wildly entertained by this, and Hio is a guy who uh, currently sits at zero points as of the time of this recording, and I think he's going to end up being one of the most important people in the entire King of Gate tournament this year.
1: Well, I mean, just as a reminder for folks, Hyo is the reason why there was a Torimod versus R.E.D. Loser Must Dispans match. He is the straw that stirs the drink. He He has the biggest brain in all of Dragon Gate. And we got to see that again. And it's something that I love. I mean, like, I've historically been the high man on Hyo. He's someone that I've always kind of felt a certain pull towards, to be quite honest. And... I think him and Yamato had a whole lot of fun this weekend, and the way that they played this off and the way that when we get into the block play match, that Yamato's sprint and then getting tripped at 19 was just fantastic. And, you know, on this podcast, we love and respect the big brain.
0: I, I talked about this last week after the Kaito Ashida match from the Empty Arena show, which I-, I would really recommend people check out if they haven't seen it. I, I don't know if that show's still on the network, or not. do not ask me. But I do know that I talked about after that match about how... You know, Hyo is not going to be in that same spot as Ben K or Shun Skywalker, his classmates who are now, you know, once a current Dreamgate champion, once the former open Dreamgate champion. He's never, ever, ever going to be on that level. The company will fold before he challenges for a Dreamgate title. But he has carved out his own niche. And five years into his career, he has a defined character and one that I find to be super entertaining. He's not just a guy on the roster that's smaller than the other small guys. He's not just a guy that is good, but not good and not as good as the rest of the roster. He has his own deal. And this mastermind, almost like edge-like ultimate opportunist character that he's kind of doing, I think it rocks. I, I really enjoyed him throughout this weekend and i wish what he had coming up was making tape i'm super curious to see how he finishes this tournament because he currently has uh just uh the no he's got 2 matches left he's got one against he's got 3 i don't know what i'm talking about he's got Akuda, UT and Shun Skywalker left and i think all of those matches could be super fun
1: it it's something where in this company that it's so reliant on charisma Having someone who portrays his kind of charisma and the way he portrays it, I think he's great at doing the character work here. And the fact that from all appearances, he's a pretty good promo as well. Like, it, 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 he he's going to have a role here. And it's something that, like, you know, he's been lapped by his juniors at this point. And that's totally fine because he has a solid role that I think he does a really good job at. And I think that it's something that I'm going to be real excited to see how the remainder of the tournament does because he kind of he kind of has uh, really embodied the idea of being the ultimate spoiler. And that's something that I think is really kind of cool. And I think that's something that he's someone that whatever the whole shakeup happens when the unit thing is done in August, I really hope he remains a heel because I feel like he has a very well-established heel role that I don't want to go to waste.
0: It's an odd thing to say given just the sheer amount of greatness we've seen not only in this promotion over the past year since the start of the pandemic, but just wrestling in Japan in general. The Yamato Hyo stuff I think is some of... Like, it was so damaged by not having crowds, and it's such a bummer, because this is stuff that even, like, you don't even have to put this in Korkin or Osaka, you just keep this in this building, but give this audience a chance to make noise, and I think you have people shrieking at the top of their lungs for Yamato to get back in the ring, because I don't have any doubt that it was over in the building, and I'm not gonna, you know judged by the decibels of the collapse by any means but it seemed like it got over in the building it just seems like one of those things that could have been taken to the next level had had we been living in an alternate universe but unfortunately we are living in this timeline
1: absolutely it, it's it's sad the world we live in but it's something that you know this does get a reaction you did notice like the audience did let out kind of a gas when it happened when it when like it happens, then and, and you know it it's something that we if they're willing to do that in Dragon Gate, then we know that they would have reacted like crazy, you know. So it, it it's pretty safe to say that as well. Any other? Well, you don't really have any other thoughts on the undercard stuff. I mean, it's it kind of was there. The only notable thing was Menoora getting the fall rather than Skywalker, right?
0: Yeah. No. Let's talk about the tournament matches.
1: All right. So the first tournament match was in the C block on the twenty first. It was Ut who walked into. Hokkaido uh, in this night at one and one with two points, and the, his opponent had the same standing one and one and two points in Kaito Ishida. It was Kaito Ishida winning with the ankle hold in 10 minutes and 30 seconds, so that moves him to four, whereas UT remains square at two.
0: I thought this match was okay. I certainly liked their 2019 outing more. I think that was a show you know, Saka number two, if I believe that was a part of the right. rookie ranking tournament. And that was kind of the first, that was the first time as a singles where we were like, oh my God, Ashida could really be something. And man, if UT stays healthy, this this character's a lot of fun. and It ended up working out well for both guys. I I thought it was very interesting the way that Ashida took most of this match. He seemed to do a lot of the selling here. UT worked over his leg. And then at the very end, at the very end, things flipped and Ashida was able to put on the ankle lock and get the win. A fine match. They've certainly had better. Uh, like I said, I'm looking at it now. The January 13th, 2019 match from Osaka between these two I thought was a stellar, stellar performance But uh, by both guys. But this was, this was okay. I gave this three and a quarter.
1: I was a little higher. I went three and a half. The thing that I was drawn to with this case, and this might just be me, I thought it was really interesting, like, the opening was strike trading and ut very quickly was like oh this isn't working for me and then he like took it to the ground and then he tried to go misdirection and impact and he did a great tope there and i thought like that that was one of those things that makes ut one of my favorite wrestlers in this company to watch is very cerebral in that way and but this was a very much a different match than 2019 i'm totally in agreement with you on that and that the only like other note that I would add to it is I know someone in the front row who was living and dying for UT. You could even like tell through, like through the mask because they would start clapping or they would like grip their fists, make fists uh, for like during like the near falls with that, and had like a huge sigh when UT tapped out. And it's nice to see that. I I just I I enjoy like it getting any sort of crowd reaction right now and getting that added a little bit of enjoyment to this matchup where I didn't where, where a lot of matches don't necessarily have that.
0: Well, I think it speaks to where UT is at in his career right now, where this is now, because of how long he stayed healthy, it's the best run of his career. He's getting respect in the booking. Like I said, you know, he was pretty dominant for a good chunk of this match against ashita who's clearly uh, been someone who's now been put on that second tier of guys, you know, a Dreamgate challenger, not necessarily a Dreamgate contender. And UT took it to him, and that was great to see, and that shows that, you know, one, he's got some respect in the booking. Two... I think he's a guy that, again, uh, assuming we get vocal crowds by the end of this year, I think we're going to see a really strong vocal response for UT, and he deserves it because he continues to put in not only really strong work but really interesting work. He's a guy that I feel like every match we're seeing of him in any sort of featured capacity, it it's always going to be very good because he's a guy that really, as long as he stays healthy, he does not miss, but I feel like he's constantly doing different things, and this Ashita match not my favorite thing. Uh, worked in a slower tempo than I was kind of hoping. I, I, I was hoping they would just go out there and throw bombs. Instead, they worked this really kind of methodical match where Ishida just pulled out the win. And it was a strong effort from both guys and speaks once again to the work that UT's been doing.
1: Absolutely. And then the semi-main event was in the B block. It was Sumiakosuka who walked in at 1-0 and with two points versus SP Kento who walked in at 1-1 and two points. SP Kento got the win with a rebound German suplex hold. In 14 minutes, 52 seconds, which moves him to 4 and keeps Sasumu at 2.
0: I've said it since SP Kento started working singles matches. I think the way his matches are laid out are very deliberate. I think they're very formulaic, and I think they're going to pay massive dividends to him in the future because this was a 14-minute match that was really just a condensed structure of a Dreamgate match. It started really slow. There wasn't a ton you could sink your teeth into for the first start of this match, for the first half of this match, really. Once they got going, this was one of the strongest, if not the strongest, singular SP Kento singles match performance I have seen. I thought he was incredible in this match, and that's no disrespect to the Tim Duncan of pro wrestling, Susumu Yokosuka, who, of course, of course it's Yokosuka who was able to guide this, uh, 18-month pro, because that's what he is at this point. He's a pro. But he was able to guide this 18-month pro into this super compelling match that, again, had real slow pacing, had a natural build to it, and had a super hot finish. I was right on the cusp of going notebook with this. I went three and three quarters. But like I said, perhaps in a, in a singles capacity, the best thing SP Kento has done so far.
1: Yeah, it's something where, you know... I I know that there is a kind of a discourse that is that S B Kento has the character work down, but the ring work is still coming together. I felt like that. I mean, Susumu Yokosuka, one of the best wrestlers of all time, in my opinion, and the Tim Duncan is pro wrestling, as you aptly put it, he held up his own. Like this was a little bit more grounded. The one thing that one of my other big takeaways weekend, everyone loves the Kimmel clutch now. <laughs>
0: It's not the move that I thought would make a comeback in wrestling. Right. I'm not look, I'm not totally stoked about it, but it's here and I can't do anything about it.
1: No, I am totally with you on that as well. But fun really fun finishing stretch and you know, these are like the matches that for someone so young in his career, being able to work with Asumi Yokosuka in a singles context, I mean, what's better than that to improve your wrestling skill, you know?
0: Do we know on SP Kento's background, I I mean I'm assuming just because he was so young and took well, well. I've got a specific question here of like he was so young and took to this so quickly. Do we know if he grew up a like a big fan of this promotion? Because there's stuff that he seems to get at a higher level than really anyone else I've seen at this point in their career. Because there's a moment in this match where uh, Red goes to attack Susumu with the box. SP Kento, I, I think it was a box attack. It was some sort of heel interference that backfires and they hit SP Kento instead. And then Yokosuka bounces off the ropes, hits a Jumbo Nokachi, and they, they get a super close near fall on it, which the kick out was, was marvelous as well. But that was just one of those things. Like, that's a that's a signature Dragate spot. And I thought the timing that SP Kento had on it was, you know, the same that a Yamato or a Mochizuki or, you know, a, a KZ, a, a veteran at this point, they would have that sort of timing. I just thought. SBK was in the perfect place at the perfect time. And I, I am just so impressed by this guy that, again, he's not going to win my most outstanding this year. He's not really lighting up my spreadsheet, especially in singles matches. But this guy's so fucking good. I can't believe how good he is.
1: It, it It's something where I think his background might be in uh, amateur wrestling, just because, like, I've noticed his years. He has a little bit of cauliflower to them. So, But I don't know his background as, like, a wrestling fandom. I would absolutely love to know. Like, of course, like, UT's fandom is notorious at this point. It would be interesting to see. I mean, I would imagine that SP Kento, because he's a Aichi Nagano, not Nagano, Nagoya guy as well. Like, I would be wondering to see if he was someone that, as a kid, was going to these shows at this time. As he was one of the first UTs who debuted after the Dragon System existed.
0: Yeah, I mean SP SP Kento if he, if he grew up a Drangate fan, he probably has marked pictures on an iPhone. Like he's probably posing with Monster Express as a teenager because he's mm-hmm. my age. Do you, uh, do you think
1: he's hitting the too easy pose?
0: God, I need to hack into this man's phone and find that picture because <laughs> it would be it would be like the 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 late stage Monster Express. Like it would be a funny picture of Yoshino t-hawk and Sachi Hoko boy and then a very young kento kabune hitting the too easy for monster express and there is no I, I i hope i just willed this into existence there's no <laughs> picture i want to exist more than that
1: i i mean case as you well know i have weird abilities to speak things into existence I, i'm imparting this power onto you right now i would love to see this happen
0: i love this main event mike i want to talk about this jason lee versus kz i want your thoughts on it first
1: All right, so Jason Lee walked in here 0 2 with zero points. So he really, this was do or die for him in the tournament. KZ was at 1 1 with two points, and this absolutely fucking rocked. It's not a match of the tournament. Match of the tournament still probably is uh, Yamato versus Shun Skywalker. I still went four and a quarter on this, but absolutely rocked. The finish was Jason Lee hitting the maximum driver clean and the in uh, the hometown area of kz to get finally get on the board get two points and kz remained square at two and boy jason lee in this thing like, like we talk about jason a lot on this program i feel like that we've been the per- people who've been waving like jason lee is the best cap seeker in wrestling jason lee would be the best junior heavyweight in nearly everyone's division by leaps and bounds if he was if he was there and tremendous like performance there and then kz as well and the thing that my big takeaway was like these are two guys who at one point kz had a very similar role as jason lee has right now right like he was the plucky guy like the like like that was able to be like the mat worker and was the the guy who fired up who developed like the crowd connection and that's really kind of where he was with Die Hearts when he turned face and returned after his injury and that's kind of similar to where jason lee is as well but I adored this match. This match was my act of the weekend.
0: Mike, they are so similar that five years ago, May 28th, 2016, King of Gate A block in Hokkaido Sapporo, KZ beat Shingo Takagi in the upset of the tournament. And mind you, an incredibly similar finish. That is exactly it. Jason Lee is, is filling that KZ role right now of when he was in Die Hearts, and it started off pretty quiet and I, I really think it started with that Brave Gate match with Casey right. and Tozawa where you know we kind of looked around and almost it was like Casey lost weight. he got new gear he turned face I was like, wait a minute, is Casey really good now like what what happened because i I certainly wasn't prepared for this and then he was quietly having these undercard matches that I really liked and then he got in King of gate that year and he had a good King of gate and that shingo match is terrific. That whole that whole set of shows was really fun, but that Shingo match, I, you know, I knew it off the top of my head five years later because it was such a fun match. But yeah, I'll say it again. I've said it on this podcast before. I tweeted it this weekend. I I don't think there's a better junior heavyweight that is active in wrestling right now than Jason Lee. And I'll throw a few qualifiers on there because I I understand that's a heavy handed statement. But Hiromu was hurt, so he is out of the out of the equation right now. And Hiromu has now had two. Career threat, two career-threatening injuries. So I don't know what we're looking at when we get him back into the fold. There is no other junior in New Japan right now that I think is either as consistently entertaining or, quite frankly, as good as Jason Lee. I think you can point to El Desperado, but Despy is always super hit and, hit, hit and miss with me. And what I've learned is that I am typically on the miss side with Despi compared to most people. Now, if you want to come back with El Desperado, fine. Look, he's not my guy. I think he often wildly underwhelms, quite frankly. But if you like El Desperado, you like him. I understand he has a passionate fan base. I get that. Taiji Ishimori, Dragon System guy. Love Ishimori. Super underrated. than Noah for all those years. Went to New Japan. Crushed it in New Japan. Almost, in a way was Shingo before Shingo, where this guy just quietly backdoored his way into the company. It was like, oh, I bet he'll do okay there. Oh, he's junior champion. Oh, he's uh, about to win super juniors. Like, Ishimori moonwalked into that company and then moonwalked to the top of the juniors division. But Taiji Ishimori, at this stage in his career, one, doesn't move around great. Two, I just don't think he's as consistent as Jason Lee. I've seen some bad Taiji Ishimori matches. I've seen some lame efforts from him. I don't think we get that from Jason Lee. I don't even know at this point, you know, the new Japan juniors division has been so depleted by COVID and by guys jumping. I don't think there's anybody worth discussing there. So you bounce over to Noah and Noah is no Noah's junior division is my least favorite thing in wrestling. Not because of the talent. The talent is tremendous. It is far and away though, the worst booked thing in wrestling outside of Noah's heavyweight division. So you've got guys like Katoge and Harada, who are past their prime. They're good, but they're past their prime. You've got a guy like Katara Suzuki, uh, obviously Ogawa, same story. Seki Yoshioka is the one name that was thrown at me on Twitter when I had a little thread about this at Open Voice Get on Twitter. You can read that. Yoshioka is a very interesting argument I think he is someone who rapidly improved once he started teaming with Shima and Stronghearts in Wrestle 1 because that he was kind of a big stunner there. Yeah. Oh, somebody got better working with Shima, no way. Uh, but he was kind of placed in Wrestle 1 as the permanent Stronghearts affiliate because Shima and T-Hawk and Lindemann, they weren't working the house shows. Yoshioka was there and he was always their strong hearts guy. And he was great, great in multi-man matches, great in singles matches. Uh, To me, it's a crime that he lost the GHC junior heavyweight title as soon as he did. I thought he could have rode out that reign for quite a long time, but instead we had to put the belt back on Kotoge for some reason. I don't get it, but I also don't understand this division. You look at All Japan. And my, my brain goes to Shima, quite honestly. I think Shima's the only junior in that division that I find to be consistently entertaining. For as much as I love Shima, I will take Jason Lee over him at this stage in his career, although I do think Shima's still very good. And then from there, like the, the one thing that I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do with the DDT guys, because they're all... They don't really work a junior heavyweight style. Do you know what I mean? Is that a fair assessment that most of the DDT roster, even though they're smaller guys... Like, I don't look at them as juniors.
1: I, sure. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, DDT is not a promotion for me. I recognize that a lot of them are really talented, but I just know it's not for me. No, I mean,
0: look, if it's not Sakaguchi and Higuchi, I'm I'm very rarely turning on the DDT these days, but I'll leave them out of the equation, because, again, I look at those guys as heavyweights for the most part. So you end up with the other, the only other two guys I could think of were Abe and Nomura from Big Japan, the Astronauts. And I Mm -hmm. think they're great. I think if somebody wanted to say that that Fuminari Abe was better than Jason Lee, look, I'm not going to fight you to the death about it. I I, I think Lee peaks a little bit higher. I think Abe, uh, just because of human factors of being in Big Japan and working all of these small indies that he does, whereas Jason Lee has a steady job and is a somewhat pushed commodity in Dragon Gate. You know, he takes advantage of these big spots. I'm going to take Lee over him, but I think Abe is certainly uh, someone that I would at least listen to an argument about. And, Mike, that's kind of the junior heavyweight scene in Japan right now in terms of men's wrestling. And it got me to thinking about a larger point that I don't know if junior heavyweight wrestling in Japan has ever been as depleted as it is right now. I made this point in the Voices of Wrestling Slack a few weeks ago when we were talking about Gleet, among other things, and the new FMW reboot and all that, that it's just wild to me that you have all of these shit-tier indie promotions popping up. People that won't draw, people that are are spreading things out and making it harder for promotions to have really strong rosters. And there's no uh, Michinoku Pro-type promotion. There's no Osaka Pro-type promotion. There's no even grimy El Dorado-type promotion. It's all just kind of bad cast-off heavyweight wrestling. And I don't remember a time in Japan where it's been this dire.
1: It's something where, like... The, the person who's currently active, oh, like there's two people who I think are excellent currently active. I think Matt Seidel might be having some of the most career, some of the best work of his career right now. I think he's been excellent in AEW. So I would put him up there. And then you have people who don't really wrestle the junior heavyweight style. The only other person, and he does not wrestle a whole lot, and I will readily admit I do not watch this company, but he has enough reputation that I don't think he's suddenly gone to hell is dragon lee like dragon lee is the uh, is like the name i would put up there i have people who are currently active take harumu out harumu you know who knows what harumu is going to be like when he comes back i think that it's like matt Seidel. it is uh jason lee and it is dragon lee right now
0: I, Dra- dragon lee a great shout that is a name that i had not thought of that's a great point uh unfortunately much like you Not spending a ton of time with empty Ring of Honor wrestling. Not something that I have on my to-watch list. Not something that I have watched already. So we'll kind of circle back when they get an audience there. But it is weird to think that Ring of Honor has become the hotbed for luchadors in the U.S. indies. Or I guess just in the U.S. scene. But yeah, that is the thing about Jason Lee. He works a distinctly junior heavyweight style. That is a junior when you watch him wrestle. I think another name you could throw out there if you want to expand it to the globe is Jonathan Gresham. But, mm-hmm. but I'll I'll take Lee over Gresham any day. I mean I I think Gresham's talented. I also think he's really overrated. Uh, I I find you know him to be entertaining to an extent. Uh, but someone that I I've, I've never really totally gotten the hype there. Whereas Lee is someone that I've obviously connected with. So in terms of guys that are junior heavyweights that are working a junior heavyweight style, which I think is easily recognizable when you see it, it's Jason Lee for me. I I I think he's so good in this match with KZ. Uh, just just incredible. I, I mean, they did so much stuff that I liked in this match. There was fire. There was a time where Jason Lee got laid out with that Casey uppercut that he hits a million times. It always looks good. And Jason Lee popped up and fired back. I thought it was tremendous. There's another time is going for the sky kind to of schoolboy. Jason Lee leverages his weight, counters it, and nearly beats KZ with a counter that I've never seen before, and it looked it looked fluid when they did it. Like it, it, that's a spot that can look really, really corny and really fake if you do it wrong. I thought they nailed it. I, there was just there was so much stuff that I liked in this match. They so closes it out with a maximum driver for the win, a four and a half star affair for me, and and my match of the weekend as well.
1: It it's something like even like KZ throwing him some love because I mean it's just as much him as this that was the most brutal-looking shotgun headbutt I've ever seen. Like, maybe it might have been where the hard cam was in the corner he did it in, but he, like, went straight into Jason Lee's stomach in the corner. I was like, that's insane. Like, just was an excellent performance from both guys, and, yeah, easily the match of the weekend in both of our books. And we needed the show of a masquerade, and Jason, uh, go home with Jason, cut a a, a very sweet promo saying, thank you all for coming, see you tomorrow. (laughs) Which... How can't you love Jason Lee? He He's the best.
0: I, I don't necessarily have anything to add on Casey other than the fact that I am just in love with his work right now. And I was really against, I will take the L on this one because I think I'm going to take the W on this Jason Lee thing. I think more people are going to come around to me. And if you disagree with that take, please let me know. at open voice gate. I, I would really like to, one, just the, the direness of the Japanese junior heavyweight scene, I think is a really interesting topic that people aren't talking about. And two- who better than Canyon? No, I mean Jason Lee. Who better than Jason Lee? Uh, but as for KZ, there's there's nothing else I could say. I mean, the, the dude is just killing it right now. I mean, I, I don't think he's the next Open the Dreamgate champion, but if he is, I will have no complaints. I really thought this Natural Vibes 2.0 thing was going to suck. I was not excited for it. I didn't like the idea of a reboot. Uh, I was I was recently compiling some information for something where I was listing every Dragon Gate unit ever, and. Natural Vibes being a, a two point deal, where it's the same unit name, the same colorway, it's just bizarre and it sticks out. And I was against it, and I I hope it's not a, something that they continue doing. I I really don't want to see this again. But Natural Vibes one point looks like such a rough draft compared to what they have now with with Kame and with Ut and Horaguchi and Susumo and KZ. That is the most locked in unit there is right now. I think they're awesome. I love the dance. I don't get grumpy about the dance. I'm an adult. I can handle a little bit of dancing. A little bit goes a long way, but I'm fine with what they're doing. And he's the man. I, this, was, this was a phenomenal way to close out this show in a must-see match between KZ and Jason Lee.
1: Well, it, it, it's something about Natural Vibes version 2, where the original thing about Natural Vibes was it's the energy you feel when your friends are all together. And, and I mean, we got five good friends here. I mean, was Puchomanaga really a friend of those the the core three guys? No, 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 they used his dad's dancing studio literally, they used his dad's dancing studio and then and then, I mean brother yashi, I mean brother yashi and Dragon gate his return. We'll remember that he came back really to be honest, so yeah, no, naturalized version two and I mean hey it, it if you're so turned off by something that happens before the match you're watching the wrong promotion just don't bother because if that's the energy you're having towards it then you're just not going to be able to and i'm willing to make a broad proclamation you're not able to like appreciate what this company is because dancing in this promotion is something that has been a thing since Torimon like since do fixer you just have to get with the program this is what it is so don't bother
0: says mike spears i enjoy a little bit of gatekeeping as we move on to night two of king of gate in Hokkaido.
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I'm operating on very low sleep right now. I'm just not pulling punches right now. It, 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 if if you if you're gonna be a no fun police about that, then I'm sorry. Go watch a uh, empty arena, Ring of Honor. I don't care.
0: The, the thing uh, I like <laughs> about Mike Spears, he's like a seller comic. Okay, this guy tells it like it is. He doesn't care who he offends. Okay, Mike Spears is as real as it fucking gets. And if you don't like dancing and Drangate, don't bother.
1: I, I mean, should I be like the seller comic coming up with my, my, my leather jacket, putting it over the mic stand, you know, like doing it that way, like real 80s style?
0: I, look, this is not the show to get into this. <laughs> Stand-up comedy just kind of needs to fucking reboot. I am so annoyed at just the, the idea of this art form currently. It just, everybody needs to take a deep breath, devalue their place in society and then maybe maybe we could have some stand-up again, but right now, these comedians are thinking far
1: too highly of each other. Yeah, talking about the art, the art. Anyways. <laughs> May 22nd, returning to Sapporo E1 Arena, a stadium, rather. attendance 257, so building it up, building up, uh, running through the undercard stuff. We had the opener was a unaffiliated versus ma- masquerade plus problem dragon because problem dragon. You know, he got plugged in everywhere this weekend and it was wild uh, Ultimo Dragon, Izushi Kanda, and Rio Saito versus Jason Lee, La Estrella, and Problem Dragon Jason Lee got the win with a maximum driver on Rio Saito in 11 minutes 56 seconds singles match Keisuke Akuda versus Don Fuji Keisuke Akuda won with a half Boston Crab in 8 minutes and 4 seconds match 3 a tag team match Masquerade versus R.E.D. it was Shun Skywalker and Koda Menonora versus Kaido Ishida and SB Kento. Kaido Ishida got disqualified in 10 minutes and 34 seconds because he just kind of like just flipped out and started doing box attacks. And uh, referee uh, Nakazawa, Nakagawa was not having any of it. And then match four natural Vise versus RED. KZ, Genki Horikuchi, and UT versus BB Hulk, Eita, and Diamante. So this is the two former North Tribe guys on opposite sides representing Hokkaido. It was the RED side, so it was BB Hulk defending Sapporo against Abetsu as BB Hulk defeated Ginky Horguchi with the first flash in 13 minutes and 46 seconds. And, okay, it's the one match that I really enjoyed, and of course I would. Keisuke Akuda versus Don Fuji having an eight-minute match where they just kicked each other in the legs a whole lot, and then Keisuke Akuda doing the Boston Crab and winning the match, and Don Fuji limping and having to shake his hand on the way out. I mean, what's not to love about that?
0: This whole undercard I don't know how you feel about it, but obviously Akuda versus Fuji was exactly what you would hope it would be. They just they they know what they do well. Don Fuji's overhand chop, you know that that
1: oh god, it, just slapping.
0: It it might be the most painful looking move in wrestling. Like I can think of pile drivers and four fifty splashes and you know like crazy Roderick Strong suplexes that I would rather take. Than Don Fuji with that overhand slap, like you said, to the neck. Oh my God, that looks like it sucks. And he just paintbrushed Okuda with so many of those in this match. That was obviously fun. And then you had these these next two matches: Skywalker Minora versus Ishida and SB Kento, which is a match I would like to see in a in a bigger setting with a clean finish because I thought these guys killed it. Up until the disqualification finish, which, you know, I understand I wasn't crazy about it here, but I get it. And then, Mike, I don't know about you, but I almost went spreadsheet with this R.E.D. versus Natural Vibes match. I went three and three quarters with it.
1: I think this is like the one match where we have a little bit disparity. I felt like they didn't take it out of second gear at all for this match.
0: There was something about the crispness of Natural Vibes here in particular. And I thought R.E.D. Uh, held with them. This was a, an all right night for B.B. Hulk to looked good this entire weekend. Diamante had a crazy sequence with KZ sequence with in this match where they were just in lockstep with one another doing these wild Lucharesu sequences that was all about. But there was something about natural vibes here. And again, it goes to that overall unit thing I was just talking about. In the point you made about these guys being friends, yes, they were in a fight, but this kind of looked like three guys, you know, three buddies fighting with one another that had each other's backs. Like, it was... It was just cool to see. Like, there's a lot to dig your teeth into with this Natural Vibes trio. And I, I had a ball with this undercard. You know, the opener was, was whatever. It just, you know, it was a match. But Akuna Fuji, <laughs> Skywalker Minora uh, versus Ashida SB Kento, and that Natural Vibes versus R.E.D. match, to me, are worth your time. I thought they were a lot of fun.
1: I mean, someone there had to work Ultimo, so why not Problem Dragon? The, 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 I, I should that's note, the rationale there
0: the, the, the one thing to note in that opening match and we'll talk about him more as we unfortunately get to night 3 but Laustreya no longer doing the Sasuke special uh, that sequence no. where he would normally set that up he's back to doing a, a very plain Jane Tope Suicida so uh, that experiment appears to be over with that move which is for the best because quite frankly he's just too small to do that move
1: I, well, I, I'll save my Laustreya talk for the next show unfortunately whoa, whoa. yes we're gonna we're gonna have a, a, a an adult t- conversation in about ten minutes. But then we get into the tournament matches. The first match was in Block C. Yamato walking into the building at two zero and one with five points, clear leader of the block. Hio was at zero and one with zero points. Double count out after Hio gets superplex on chairs and and Yamato is tripped at nineteen in five minutes and thirty five seconds this was like one of the most fun two and a half star matches I saw in a long time because big brain, Hio sleezing it up, like knowing what he, he was going to do. Just ruining Yamato's weekend was a great storyline.
0: Mike, I loved it. I love this so much. I mean, I, I screamed when Kaito Ishida tripped Yamato and Yamato bit the dust on ate his shit. way to the ring. It just totally ate shit on a perfectly timed trip. You know, we talk about the Dragon System, how I think it's the most talented roster on earth. Nobody can do what they do. Their timing is perfect, and that includes Kaito Ishida tripping Yamato as he <laughs> runs back to the ring. And then, as you put it, this man ate shit, took an incredible bump. We've seen this guy uh, go through tables, be hit with chairs. He's probably taken a barbed wire b- uh, board bump at some point in his career. This man went all out for a trip spot. And I popped huge for it. I loved it. This is, again, look, it's a five-minute match. It was, you know, it's not anything great from a work rate perspective. But it was the perfect story. I, again, I understand why people may not be super into the double countout stuff. Uh, For some, I guess, historical perspective on it, I don't think they're directly tying it back to the M2K double ringout committee, which if you watch all of the Torimon from 2000 that is up on the Durangate Network, which that entire year is up there, you'll notice a reoccurring theme in M2K matches where they are trying to get their opponents in the midst of a double countout uh, in order to make the fans mad and ruin the hot fighting that would go on in Torimon. They were, they, they use this term called the double out committee, uh, where they were exclusively trying to get double uh, double countouts in their matches. And it's, it's a very similar thing with Hyo. So it goes back to some history there. There's a reason they're doing it. And there's no better guy on the roster to do it with right now than, yo, the trip spot, just awesome. Just Charlie Brown missing the football level of, uh, of whiffing and biting the dust. Uh, just tremendous stuff.
1: It just is something that, you know, another great thing about this promotion and this promotion that still, like, we were a little bit trepidatious about how their 2021 started, but this tournament has – had them return to form in a way that, like, of course Dragon Gate was going to return to form. It's Dragon Gate. But how they just kind of just committed to this and said, like, for five minutes, this match is going to be all about Big Baron and Hyo and just sleezing it up and just making Yamato have a miserable night and executed perfectly. Like, I understand, like, people were just, uh, are out on just kind of, like, the, the cheatingness and the sleaze, and they just think that, like, oh, like, the Dragon Gate cheating gets over the top here, but this was incredibly effective. Like Kyo as someone who is the bottom person in RED has had such a great purpose since November. And I love how they revisit it. And I love how everything happens with, with Kyo. And it's just one of the more fascinating things in wrestling right now.
0: Yeah. Like I said, he's got his character worked out and he's got his place on the roster. If you want to talk about history, you want to talk about calling back to the past Look no further than the main event: Dragon Kid versus Susumu Yokosuka in the B block of King of Gate 2021.
1: Yeah, uh, but right before we get, just so we can clarify here, there are no points awarded in a double count out. This makes Yamato's uh, standing in in the tournament just insane because he has he has a time limit draw and a double count out, so no points were awarded. Yamato stays at five. Heo stays square at zero. So main event, B block: Dragon Kid versus Susumu Yokosuka. Dragon Kid walked in this match two and one with four points, really could have pulled away in the B block. And Sasumi Yokosuka, one and one of two points, really kind of needed to keep up with pace. Susumu called back to the history case as you were alluding to, world liner in 16 minutes, 13 seconds. So that moves Susumu to four and is square. Basically, with how everyone in the block was basically at four points at this night, is you either were at four or two. It's a complete race in the B block. B block, not blee block, B block. Gleet has done things to my, mer- my brain, case. <laughs>
0: Look, Gleet has done things to all of our brains, Mike. You are not alone at that. Uh, as for this, not their strongest match ever. I, I think I remember at the time, their last match was March of 2019. It was that Memorial Gate show where they wrestled for the Bravegate title. And I think I remember being much higher on that than you were. I really liked that match. Uh, and I, I certainly thought that was stronger than what they did here. But as Jay pointed out on Twitter, these guys have been doing this for 20 years now. They haven't really slowed down. They've only gotten smarter. Their execution is the same, if not better, than ever before. I went three and a half stars on this, but it's it's you know it's still artwork to some extent. Like what they were doing, the counters towards the end, the world liner to uh, to finish. It's the sumo and dragon kid. It is a winning combination every time out.
1: Yeah, I, I went four flat. I love this match. This was I, I. It's something that like you talk about that Brave Gate match. How that kind of underwhelmed me a little bit. No. No, this was showing like the best of them in 16 minutes. I loved the subtle knee work that Susumu was working the knee for obvious reasons for Dragon Kid and Dragon Kid sold it very subtly. Like there was a a moment there like after his 619 where he like after he rotates back in the ring where he like he kind of like stumbles for a second. It was it was something that you could tell it wasn't like an actual stumble. It was very intentional. I thought that was really cool. And we talked about like the crowd and how we we wanted to have a better crowd. The crowd knew that what Dragon Kid and Susumu Yokosuka means, and the crowd was up for this main event.
0: I believe, and I could be wrong, and this is where Mike Spears' trivia of Dragon Gate will be stronger than mine is, I believe the only time the Ope the Dream Gate did not headline Kobe World was their match uh, for the Dream Gate in 2006. Is that is that correct? Right. Yeah, that was the, uh, they won the semi-main event, main event uh, Shima versus Magnitude Kishiwada in a no-ropes match, winning the main event. I have always heard the reasoning behind that, was Shima was like, well, We're gonna do a no ropes match. I mean, we're gonna take apart the ring. We the ring is taken apart. Nobody can wrestle now. I guess we have to headline. I I guess I guess the Super could have to go up before us. I guess because, well, you can't you can't wrestle with no ropes. I mean, that's what that's what Me and Magnitude are doing. I enjoy Shima politicking his way to the top of the card, no matter what.
1: I mean, that's what he does. (laughs) That's (laughs) that's what he did. That's what he he is
0: the Jeff Jarrett of junior heavyweights in Japan, and I mean that as a compliment.
1: Yeah, and the go-home as uh, the go-home was uh, natural vibes. You know, I mean, they, they were there supporting their friends because they're friends. You know what I mean? You, Susumu go, go, got level at this match. Like, it was a big match for the block there. So, of course, they're going to support Susumu and that, like, KZ kind of do the go-home speak and his neighboring. Like, I think Abetsu is a suburb of Sapporo. I'm not positive about that, but it made sense for that there.
0: Mike Spears, Night 3, King of Gate.
1: All right, so 23rd, uh, they had 329, which was higher than their last in time that they were in Sapporo. So they ended up doing okay. The, the, the opening for first two nights were a little bit down, but then the, the closing night was able to do it, and probably for pretty good reason. So this time, Case, we're going to talk about the 300-card matches, and then we'll leave Speed Star Final Countdown Sapporo as its own thing, I think, just because like it's Masato Yoshino, and he deserves that. Uh, match one, uh, Natural Vibes versus uh, Masquerade. Natural Vibes: Sumi Yokosuka, KinKi Horiguchi, and Ut. And then the team for uh, Masquerade: Kota Minora, Jason Lee, in La Australia. Kota Minora got the win on KinKi Horiguchi with Ingronaje in 14 minutes and 32 seconds. Match two: Rio Saito and Problem Dragon versus Don Fuji and Bukudomo Dragon. Don Fuji super choke slam Problem Dragon. So Problem Dragon tough weekend for the guy. I mean, he's kind of plugged in there, and then he has to eat a super choke slam to lose that there and then match three ultimo dragon and yazushi kanda versus team of uh, diamante and sb kento and sb kento got the win with the sb shooter in nine minutes and 11 seconds and do you want i i'm gonna rant about la astrea do we want to talk about that do you have any thoughts about the other two matches before i start before i go off
0: yeah let me quickly work backwards here i really wish when ultimo came into the company and he did that like four or five month program with Ata where they ended up having a singles match, which I was just recently reminded of. I completely forgot that happened. I really wish SB Kento was in the company when that happened, because I I thought SB Kento and Ultima were really compelling in this match, and this was, you know, a meaningless, forgettable undercard tag. But those two in the ring together, it just kind of felt like something was there. I certainly don't want an extended Ultima push ever again, but if it's going to happen, I hope it happens with SB Kento. As for Shimizu and Fuji. Versus Problem Dragon and Ryo Saito. Uh, This was 11 minutes of my life. That Look, I love this promotion. I did not want to dedicate 11 minutes of my life to this match. I watched it because I really am trying to make it a goal to watch 100% of what makes Tate this year. But God, I just hated that because it went 11 minutes. In my experience, you now have the floor for La Estrella Adult Talk.
1: Yeah, so uh, I thought that the match too was a comedy match. It was good, clean, fun. Uh, Don Fuji wanted to fight with Mr. Nakagawa. I mean, that amused me immensely there. But so, Lostrea, we have seen him have issues with the Sasuke special that took it out of his repertoire. I saved another note that I noticed. You know how he would do the handspring or the headstand evade where he'd go into the ropes and he'd flip and he wouldn't touch the bottom, he wouldn't touch the mat as he flipped backwards? Mm -hmm. He's no longer, he's now doing the handspring backwards. So they've curtailed that as well. But now, out of his like three really exciting moves, Watched the rope run dropkick and i am not I, i'm gonna keep kayfabe here i think i i think that that's an important thing to do but the the thing that made shun skywalker so impressive before his excursion before really really up through mochizuki dojo before he went lone wolf with Binke was the fact that there was always an element of fear with him because he would always like there'd be moments where like where he would be doing like his uh senton springboard over the top rope, where you're just like, oh god, he could really eat it here. But he always would like pull it back. It always like would work out just the way, and it came off of like this guy is death defying. Like he like there was the element of fear there. There's there was elevated risk here, and it's something that like we likened it to Hayabusa. Remember, case like we're like it's very like, kind of Hayabusa esque, where it's like you can't look away, but you're looking through like your your fingers and your your hands over your face. Yeah, and then exactly. you get to. And then you get to the other end of that spectrum, and that's where you get like Sabu. And Sabu, where you, he has is like the botches, but it's part of the charisma and aura that he pulls off with it. La Australia, as we said when he debuted, had a lot of the Shun Skywalker tendencies that we were really excited about. But the problem is he can't execute his, his death defying moves, and he doesn't have the charisma or aura that instead he looks completely, completely overwhelmed in the moment. And I think that La Australia everything else about his wrestling, I think he's very solid. I think he's up to the Dragon Gate standard, but it's very clear to me that, like, for the rope run thing, that's balance. Like, that's balance, and you get that with, like, reputation. Uh, the Sasuke Special, you mentioned you think that he's too small, to like, kind of, like, do a dive like that. Still something that, like, repetition. You'd you, you, you would be able to figure that out, that you're not having that botch at one of the big five shows. And then the handspring, I mean, that's just something that, you know, you, you, you're taking a risk each night doing the handspring is probably better for the guy's health but the fact that la Australia has been pushed to this level he is a Dreamgate champion less than triangle six gate champion, uh, triangle gate champion. thank you thank you i was thinking about <laughs> Shin skywalker thank you for correcting me there triangle gate champion less than six months in his career has not suffered a fall he has not taken any falls whatsoever and he's getting like this rookie supernova push that at this point with how he's been lately and there's of course room to improve i remember i was a low person on dia i thought that dia in a lot of ways was kind of underwhelming until he until like he got over his health things and his and sickness and he, he really came together and became a truly exceptional wrestler but they didn't have dragon dia as triangle gate champion they didn't have Dra- dragon dia in a unit where he was incredibly protected shun skywalker took a whole lot of falls in mochizuki dojo up until he won the rookie ranking league and they Started differentiating himself. It was like you, you would have Hyo, Yoshioka, and Minora, and then Shun Skywalker was kind of, other than Mochizuki, like the number two in the, in the unit there. That's not the case in Masquerade because Lestaria is protected. The fall post night unit is Jason Lee right now. So we have this guy who I don't think I'm unmasking when I say he's under the age of 22. Okay, do so you think that's fair to say?
0: I would be shocked if he was older than 22.
1: 22 I'm just saying that safely who is really like capable of these death defined things but it's clear to me that he is not at a level of execution with him that is to the Dragon Gate standard and it's something that there's a reason why there is the period before like when, Kenta, when S.P. Kento was Kento Kabune and he ate a lot of falls there was a when Hip Hop Kakuta was, was Madoka Kakuta and was eating a lot of falls uh, we, we've not really seen enough of Funky Jackie Kamei to know, but he took a whole lot of falls as well. When you give a push like this, that really, other than like Strong Machine J, does not come along very often in Dragon Gate. The Supernova thing is a very new thing. I mean, the last real Supernova was Yamato. You have to be able to perform. And it's clear to me right now, Case, that last is not to standard now. And it's frustrating because it's actively hampering a unit that seemingly he's getting their act together you know i mean she and skywalk and kota Minor have become stronger mic workers they're willing to put jason lee in the main events and knock it out of the park then you have Lostrea, and i think that's an issue and i think it's something that i think you i wouldn't like again he's very young i bet he's going to improve and these are the things with repetition that get better but when you have someone as triangle gate champion and when you have someone who is not performing to a level into an expectations you have to do something, change course, or you take a step back and be like, "All right, what is wrong here?" And I don't, and I know I'm doing a tough talk here, but I don't think I'm saying anything that's unfair.
0: No, he's. Six, I mean, he's six months into his career, which you can say, "Well, he's only six months into his career." But the flip side is, this is Dragneel, and if you're six months in with a character and you're messing up your signature spots (plural) because he's now messed up a handful of those signature spots, that becomes an issue. Because in other promotions, you know, look, it's obviously not good, it's noticeable, but here it really sticks out, okay? This is a company that preaches perfection. Everything is perfectly timed. He is not perfectly timing his moves right now, and Mike, I I, I thought you did a tremendous job there of illustrating the two different branches you can really jump off there of the Dragon Daya route or the Shun Skywalker route. For Daya, I, I, I had to sell you on it. I think Daya himself had to sell you on it. I was on board from day one. I, I think his execution is such a level above most guys in wrestling when it comes to his aerial maneuvers, and we've obviously heard the stories about, you know, Genki Horiguchi saw a video of El Heal Del Vikingo, and I was like, what's the big deal? Dragon Dai can do all of that. And I firmly believe that, because die is so innovative, he's so creative, and he's a guy that really doesn't mess things up, especially those big spots. Shun Skywalker was a guy that messed some things up, okay? His... You know, there there are some undercard matches that are truly terrifying, and there are some big matches that he had later on in his career.
1: That Dangerous Gate match. The
0: Dangerous Gate match with Mochizuki and Skywalker against Yamato and BB Hulk. It's one of my favorite Twin Gate matches ever, because there are times in that match where the wheels are so close to coming off. Skywalker does a rope-walk moonsault in that match that uh, is, quite frankly, fucking stupid. That he somehow pulled it off and didn't die. And there's so much of that with Skywalker that... Uh, outside of, you know, uh, again, Dragon Dye has the execution, Shun Skywalker had that charisma. It it, it really sucked you in, and you see it now, now that he's a much more fluid wrestler, you see it come in in the form of babyface fire, and you see it come in the form of this guy who, again, in a promotion where you have to be able to talk and lead with the microphone, and Shun still really can't do that, but he's shown enough babyface fire within the ring to where, you know... I don't think it's the end of the world. I think he's been a credible, successful Dreamgate champion. Maybe there are fans in Japan that would disagree with me, but from what I can tell, Skywalker's been over as champion, so I I, I think it's a win there. The issue is that Australia doesn't have the execution, he doesn't have the charisma, and when you have none of the two, it becomes an increasingly larger issue every time he steps foot in the ring.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's not like it's something that you can approve of. I mean, the issue is that He's not just like a mask guy. He's a mask guy with over his face, you know, like you don't have like a mouth port, like his eyes, you can't see because they're covered up there. So it's not like he can emote and show baby face fire that way. So you have to lean more on execution, right?
0: Yeah. And, and for him right now, you know, again, when he hits all of it, it's spectacular. And it's this bizarre high ceiling, low floor where, you know, we could be looking at a triangle gate match at Kobe world where masquerades defending and it could be a four-and-a-half-star match, and he could be the focal point of that match because there are going to be nights where he's on, and it's it's going to be thrilling. I mean, he's he's still, like, his signature spots are incredible. The issue is that if one of them goes wrong, it just sucks the wind out of the match in a way that it is almost unique to him in a way because that, that triangle gate match at Dead or Alive was really on its way to, to building to be a nice little match, and once he messed up that dive, there was no return from that. It, it just... Things the air got sucked out of that building so quickly, and this is a gimmick that relies on again nailing everything and being this death defying uh, junior heavyweight, and he is not that right now. And, and it's like I said, becoming an increasingly larger issue every single time he wrestles.
1: Yeah, and it's something where I just, it, it, it again, this is something that with time and, and like repetition, but I'm trying to be very careful because I'm being because they're keeping kayfabe with this. The person I I'm gonna to try to say this, case and it and I'll just say like right now. If you think I'm going over bounds here, we'll edit it out immediately. we'll not make air. The person that is under the Australia match only had one exhibition match that made tape. I think two one. technically. Two, and as an exhibition match, you aren't doing the same stuff.
0: Well, I look. I don't. I don't think you're speaking out of line. Nor do I think uh, I will with this. We know from people that know La strea that when he got this gimmick, they were like, oh, that's weird. Didn't really think of him as a flyer. Uh, is, is that a fair assessment?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: I hope it works out. But, I, you know, I, I still have a little bit of, uh, of stock. I think in the right setting with the right opponents. Again, this guy can be electric. But... I don't, I don't like the in between right now. I, I, I really was bummed out by, by the missed, uh, rope running dropkick in this match because again, it just, it was like, oh, god damn it! Like this match was moving along fine, and then things just gr- grounded to a halt once again, and that is becoming the issue with Lastrea Something to monitor going forward.
1: Yeah, yeah, and again, like we sometimes we like doing tough love sandwiches here. He is incredibly, when he's on, he's the rookie of the year. Like, hands down. Like, there's very few people, I think, that are as good unless Hook starts wrestling and is just as good as people expect. Rookie of the year. Or maybe Jake Cargill. But, Raleigh, it would be it would be Hook.
0: My vote would go to Cargill off of, the what, the two matches she's had so far. I've enjoyed mm-hmm. her more than La Stray as the total package. Because Cargill... I, you have another it's podcast where you could put... Cargill's fucking unbelievable. Every fucking week, she blows me away.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so it, it, it's just one of those things that... Uh, when I watched this show, like, I felt my energy sucked out of this. Like, I can only imagine if I was in Sapporo and Solid. it. Like, it just was something that I felt like put a little bit of a pallor on the rest of the undercard when the two other shows' undercards was, were very strong undercards, you know? Like, it started off on a bad foot.
0: Let's talk about these black men. Or I guess let's talk about the Yoshino first, the uh, uh, final, final countdown speed star in Hokkaido. What were your thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, so it was Masato Yoshino teaming up with high-end Yamato and Dragon Kid versus R.E.D., BB Hulk, Kaido, Shida, and Hio. Yamato won with the Galleria in 15 minutes and 19 seconds. Uh, before the match, Hio said he was going to, He said, I'm going to ruin this match as well, and by God, he tried. Love big brain, Hyo. Big. I'm really proud of my small leopard son today, if you haven't picked up on that. I, I thought Yoshino looked good here. You know, it's, it's one of those things that, like, sadly, I feel like it's tracking going forward. I thought that Yoshino, he wasn't in this match a lot, but, you know, I mean— it worked out pretty well here, and I thought that hey, the general humor that everyone has with Dragon Kid just amuses me so much that, like, it added, like, another thing to this. So it was like a three and a quarter star match.
0: I-, I thought Yoshino was fine. I think I liked his overall performance a little bit more last weekend in That's fair, right? Fukuoka. There was something about the—like, I talked about how much I liked the Undercard on Night 2 and how I think there's stuff that was really worth going out of your way to watch— the undercard on this show, the opening match goes 14 and a half minutes. You get the 11-minute comedy match, the 10-minute SB Kento and Ultimo Dragon Tag match, and then this goes 15, and there was something about this. I was like, man, everything on this card is just going a little too long right now. I, I needed every match before this to be cut down by like three minutes, and maybe I would have been in a better mood to watch this. But mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're an hour into the show, and I'm looking for block matches at this point, I'm excited about these block matches that are coming up. I, to me, this dragged a little bit, not by the fault of anyone in particular, just a very long, strenuous undercard for night mm-hmm. three.
1: That's fair. Uh, and then afterwards, Yoshino Yush- did like his farewell promo to Hokkaido. The other thing about this match, this was a heel match. Like that's a very rare thing to say. Like this match was based around heel. Like this, like there's a reason why I said like he's like the the star of the weekend because everything around his matches were revolved around him.
0: Which is awesome to see. This idea, you know. That he's in a Yoshino farewell match where he's not eating the Torbolino and the Sol Naciente, and that's the end of it. The fact that they could build that character into a Yoshino match is, I think, saying something about his standing at the company right now. I think people are really buying into this yo. I called it the ultimate opportunist earlier. I'll refer to that again. This act that he's doing right now, I'm really enjoying it.
1: Yeah, no, it's tremendous. And then we get into the block matches, the meat of the show. The first one was in the C block. It was Shun Skywalker at 1-1 with two points versus Keisuke Okuda, who is 0-0-1. Of course, his one point came from that time limit draw of Yamato. Keisuke Okuda is having a rough tournament because he lost this match when Shun Skywalker fell backward on him while he locked into Dojima Sleeper in 13 minutes and 57 seconds
0: which as Skywalker later pointed out on social media, not the first time he's won with that move in Hokkaido specifically, Uh, or maybe it was just Sapporo in general, but I believe it was Hokkaido where he's also done this kind of choke reversal into a roll-up, which is, you know, a, a, a nice little callback there. I thought this match was a ton of fun. This was a rare Brave Gate versus Dream Gate matchup. It obviously happened at World 2009 with Shima coming in as the Brave Gate champion and Doi coming in as the Dream Gate champion, can you think off the top of your head, Mike, any other times this has happened?
1: Oh. Wasn't there, like, a Tiger's Mask when he was Brave Gate champion?
0: Oh, Jesus. Did Tiger's Mask challenge for the Open of the Dream Gate title? That is something I will look up as I, as I talk here.
1: The, there might have been, like, it might have been non title but I thought that, that there was, like, because it was during that Dragon Gate versus Osaka Pro War, right?
0: That, that sounds right. Maybe, yeah, maybe, well, I, yeah, let me... Yeah, he wrestled, well, no, because, okay, so Yoshino, did Yoshino win the belt at World 2010?
1: I, no, he won it beforehand. I don't think he won it at at World, I thought he won it at, uh, Compilation Gate.
0: It was Yamato versus Yoshino, and... He Yeah, okay, he did, he did win the belt. That was Yamato that won it at Compilation Gate, and then Yoshino okay. that won it. So I believe they did Yoshino versus Tiger's Mask in a Dreamgate versus Bravegate match that was specifically for the Bravegate title uh, that Yoshino ended up winning and then vacating the Bravegate. That is what happened there in the summer of 2010. Uh, for those that cared, which is only me and Mike.
1: Well, well yeah, that was the lead-up. Wasn't that the lead-up that they had that tournament that Naoki Tanazaki won?
0: I think that was 2009. Let me see what they did with the Brave Gate here as we as we dive deep into Cage. It is past the hour mark of the show, which means uh, it is a free-for-all in the Cage match. No. So Yoshino won the belt from Tiger's Mask and vacated it. And then the tournament uh, ended with Pac winning the Brave Gate belt. And that is what began Pock's Brave Gate run. That's right. That's was right. He beat, okay. he beat Susumu in the finals in a match that I have not seen but would like to track down uh, and then from there went on to have the greatest Brave Gate run of all time, so not bad by Pac there. As for Akuda versus Skywalker and Akuda, if he you know keeps on holding this belt, will certainly uh, have a a claim staked as the greatest Brave Gate champion of all time. I don't think he'll get there, but it's a conversation that we can have by the end of his reign. Uh, the super fun match, really really physical. I thought these guys did everything uh, that played into each other's strengths really well. Big strike exchanges, big counters. Uh, just a lot of stuff that you would expect from these guys. And it ends with a clever finish where, where Skywalker gets the win and you protect Okuda, who continues to lose and lose and lose, but he's losing in very unique ways.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting tournament for Okuda. It's fascinating. I mean, did Okuda already have his match against Hio? No, he has his match against Hio tomorrow, as of the time of recording. And he has that match in, uh, in Nagata. Okay, so just a fascinating tournament for him. Just fascinating. Yeah,
0: I I don't necessarily know where it goes. Like, I don't know what the next step for Akuda is once he loses most of his King of Gate matches. I think he'll beat Yo, uh, and you guys will know by the time this episode is released, I think he'll beat Yo, but then he's still towards the bottom of his block. And, you know, granted it was a loaded block, but still, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not like a strong challenger has necessarily emerged from what he's doing because you obviously UT.
1: have
0: that's the thing. I think I mean I think UT is the way to go here, uh, mm-hmm. because he's the one guy that would make sense. Uh you know, he had the time limit draw with Yamato, Yamato's not gonna challenge for the Brave Gate belt. Uh we've done the Hyo match. He you know, Skywalker's a Dreamgate guy at this point. So yeah, you're looking at UT being the front runner for another challenge, which I think would be great. I mean I I I obviously fully support that. But it's it's a weird tournament for him. I I think it's less about Akuda and more about the fact that in this loaded block, somebody was going to have to lose. And Okuda's right. the guy that they're, they're, he's not just losing, they're doing something with his losses. So I, it doesn't really bother me from a booking perspective. I went three and three quarters on this match. I liked it a lot.
1: Yeah. I went three and three quarters as well. It, it was my match of the night. And then we had, we had the uh, main event. This was in the B block. This was KZ coming into the, coming into this match one and two so you really had to get a win here with two points versus Aita who is one and one with two points KZ won with an inside cradle after getting rocked twice with Imperial Uno just kind of gripped at it by described it by his teeth at 18 minutes and two seconds so getting close to the time limit there and you know this was a match that I, I have a feeling we might be a little bit divergent here so KZ okay, go ahead and give your thoughts first.
0: My second favorite match of the weekend I went four and a quarter on this it was, you know, we we were talking a lot about Ata last week and just kind of how he always seems to shine in King of Gate, and We always specifically point to his 2016 run where he has the matches with Tozawa and the match with Susumu. And kind of the summer of 2016 was when, you know, at least for me, it was the most I've ever believed in Ata as possibly being a guy. And he would go on to reach higher heights after that. But it was always kind of a a pulling teeth situation for me. I understand why he's in that role, but I wish it was at times anybody else in that role. But we talked about how King of Gate typically uh, plays to him and his strengths. He's able to have these compact matches. He's able to break away from the usual big match, Dragon Gate structure, and he's able to do his thing. And this match was not that. This match no. was a, a classic overbooked car crash style Dragon Gate big match main event, and I thought KZ and Ata went out there and ripped it. There, There was just a ton of stuff that I liked in this match. One, you can say, I think the crispness of both guys. I used that term earlier talking about the natural vibes, double team moves here. They, they had a level of chemistry that I, I really thought they lacked in their Gate of Destiny match. That was a match I was, I was kind of let down by. I remember the finish coming out of nowhere uh, right as things were starting to build. This had a tremendous build to the finish. These looked like guys that knew what they were doing in the ring with one another. A couple of big moves, a couple of big comebacks from KZ multiple times in this match. You have the ref bump, which I loved. Eita, for all of his faults, and I do think Eita has many. Aita's ability to have refs bump in this beautiful way—I believe it was him that was responsible for pulling referee Nakagawa in the way of the Go to Hospital drop kick a few years ago, uh, which is a gift that I have in my head. That unfortunately, I, I don't know if the listeners know what I'm talking about. I don't even know if Mike knows what I'm talking about. Oh, I know
1: where d- I yeah, yeah, because because Nakagawa sold it like murder. It wasn't that during a wasn't that during a Arts match.
0: No, that was on a that was on a big pay-per-view. I don't remember what okay. they, I don't know why Ata and Yamada would have been in the same ring as one another, because that's not a that, that's a pretty protected pairing. But I believe, and I hope I'm right, that Ata was responsible for that. But Ata's a guy that has been able to do some pretty creative ref bumps over the year. Mike mentioned in the Jason Lee versus KZ match the headbutt spear that KZ does and how he kind of perfectly executed it there. Well this time he goes to hit it on Ata and Ata pulls referee Yagi in the way, and it's it's a great bump, it's a great spot, the crowd reacted to it. And then you get all the hijinks. You get the RED interference, uh, you get the chairs, but instead of KZ eating these awful moves, uh he hits a he, he hits Eita with a power bomb onto the chairs, a Canadian destroyer onto the chairs, and an impact onto the chairs, which is a wild sequence of events, and then Ata still kicks out. Uh, He gets up to his feet, Imperial Uno kick out, Imperial Uno schoolboy, and KZ gets the win. This felt like an epic, this felt big, this is the kind of match that they typically don't have in King of Gate. I'm glad the tournament isn't filled with matches like this, but KZ beating the biggest and baddest heel in his hometown in this way, I was totally into, like I said, four and a quarter.
1: I went three and a half, and all your po- all your points are correct there. Like, it did feel like a big match. It did feel like that Ada has such a great command of being a heel here that it's going to be something I miss when he eventually has that face turn, which who knows if that's going to happen at any point at this point. <laughs> you know, I mean, we've been calling for that for, like, the last year. Who knows? But for me, the thing that got me was it had a really hot start with, like, the opening exchange going into the Mission Impossible step up uh, Tope, uh, Tope Conalo. And then it really kind of slowed down for like the next, I would say, six or seven minutes. And given how the show was, it just kind of took me out of it in a way, just because of the undercard you're talking about. And it's no fault of them. No fault of them. This is on me. Like, I own up for this. This is my failing, not anyone in this promotion's issues here. But as soon as like the interference started happening, the impact onto the chairs that the crowd went nuts for in that finishing stretch that you laid it out perfectly there. I, it really like snapped too, and again, this is a me thing, and that's why I went through and a half on it.
0: I would be curious to know uh, from people what they thought of this match. I asked at Open Voice on Twitter what everybody's favorite King of Gate match was up to this point. I did not see anybody mention this, uh, which I didn't necessarily expect. But I also know, I know of people that are either very pro KZ and anti ata or pro Ata, anti KZ, and I would like to know their thoughts on this match, just because you know there are two guys that. I think have roughly made a career out of a similar style, but I find mm-hmm. KZ to be much more palatable than Ata. Ata obviously is someone that, you know, when he hits, it's incredible. I would uh, file this into the hit category, but when he misses, it is dreadful, and we have seen far too much of that over his career. But I thought they came together here. Like I said, I thought this was better than the Gate of Destiny match from 2020. It had a, a much more coherent build. I mean, I really wish this match was given that big stage instead of being tucked away on this little Hokkaido show at the end of the King of Gate Tour. Because I I, I really thought if you're a fan of the Drangate house style, if you like those big matches, if you like the interference and the drama that Drangate is able to build upon, this is the match for you. Like I said, four and a quarter stars for me. And on a a pretty okay show, I I would say show three was probably the least enjoyable of the weekend. This was a very strong way to close things out.
1: Oh no, the the block matches saved the show from just being mediocre in my opinion. Yeah, very like, much so. Cuz night 2,
0: well, night 2 was fun all around and night 1 I the the uh the, having three tournament matches there really helped cuz the undercard was nothing but you get the three tournament matches there so i put night 1 uh ahead of night 3.
1: No, I completely agree with you. So the that this finish moved KZ to 4 points and kept ATA to RED try to beat down KZ. They get fought off and then Ata so it was referee Yagi in this match. It wasn't Nakagao. Or Yagi might have been ringside, but then but but he got attacked by Ata on the way out and then we got the natural vibes go home as Ata got a bid farewell to Sapporo. Not Ata. K Z got a bid farewell to Sapporo until they come back, likely in December. So Yeah, those we dates get, are
0: booked. It's uh I think the second week of December like it was last year.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I mean they, they usually do, and I mean like they always have to like they like doing the semi annual uh shows there so uh, weekends there and it's always nice and then they go and then they went to Hakodate also in Hokkaido, on the 24th block matches that happen in Hakodate as i accidentally scrolled down a little bit too far there we go in Hakudate. the block matches were UT and Hio in the C block ut won with the passion and 8 minutes and 12 seconds so we didn't get big brain Hio there though I'm certain in his mind, he was being big and brain. And then, interesting thing that's going to really play into the B block Dragon Kid and Jason Lee went to a double fall. So, both guys got one point there. That's the only way is time limit draws or double falls there. So, they're exploring every way that you're able to score points in this tournament case. And then the next night, they were in Sendai. They're in Tohoku, which they had a Dragon Gate Future Open match, exhibition match. Ryu Fuda, who we've not seen yet. He has not made the future shows. Who's from Miyagi, which is the same prefecture as the show is taking place in. And then the guy that we we both are kind of a little bit high on, Takuma Fujiwara, who's from neighboring Iwate Prefecture in the opener. Just wanted to throw out there. So we have yet another kid coming up through the ranks, but the block matches at that time were Kangate Block A, Kota Minor defeated BB Hulk with Ingor Nahe, uh, Block B, Eita defeated SB Kento with Imperial Uno. That's something I'd I be interested to see that match. See if that was going to be played up like how Ishida and Hio played it straight, or if they're going to get really sleazy there. And then the main event was Yamato defeating Kaido Ishida and Block C for the Galleria, which puts us. This is what the this is what the blocks are right now. Okay, so let's get into this. We don't know the cards for the remaining uh, league matches. We do know that there'll be the last chance Bow Royal, assuming that it's fifteen people, they might be able to have all of them in there. Uh, I'm going to run down the scores case and, and we've talked a little bit about uh, what, ha- what are the scenarios in the blocks last week. We have some updated ones for this one. Block A. Naruki Doi finished at 2 points as he was pulled due to COVID precautions. Benkei finishes at 0 because he had COVID and was pulled. Currently Kodaman Nora is at 8 points with 1 match remaining. Takashi Yoshida is at 6 points with 1 match remaining. And then both BB Hulk and Diamante are in the clubhouse at 6 points. Block B. KZ is at four points with one match remaining. Susumi Yokosuka is at four four points, but with two matches remaining. Dragon Kid is in the clubhouse in the lead at five points. Uh, Jason Lee is at three points, but with one match remaining. And then Ata and SB Kento are both at four points with one match remaining. And then in the C block, we have Shun Skywalker, who's at four points with two matches remaining. Yamato is the clubhouse leader at seven points, and he's done with his tournament. Kesuke has two matches remaining, but he is at one point. And then UT and Kaido Ishida are at four points. They are eliminated with only one match remaining. And then Hyo's more, more is more concerned with like making people have a miserable day with his big brain. He's at zero points with two matches remaining. He is eliminated as well. So case, what are the scenarios we have to see who is going to win their blocks in King of Gate?
0: Oh, God, you're going to try to make me do some mental math here. I, I feel like I'm in the, the Brian Alvarez uh, position, which is not an enviable position. You did position this last week. <laughs> you did this last week. Well, menorah versus Yoshida, uh, that match, which happens on. Uh, it, it'll happen by the time we're done record, or by the time this airs. So you'll know the winner of the A block then, because Menorah versus Yoshida is winner take all. My A block predictions were not exactly correct last week. We got to the same destination. I think the way I laid things out was more exciting than what Drangate did, but, you know, they, they have a pretty decent track record, so I'll let them uh, stray off on their own little adventure there. But the A block, by the time you're hearing this, will be decided. It'll be between Minora and Yoshida. The B block, everybody is still alive. It's KZ, Yakoshka, Dragon Kid, Jason Lee, Aita, and SB Kento. I I, I gotta go KZ here. He's got the one match left against SB Kento on May 30th. That seems like a win for him. Uh, Sasumu has Jason Lee, which is likely a win, but Ato, which I'm going to say is a loss. Uh, any any objection to KZ winning the B block? Do you think there's someone that has a stronger case?
1: Well, if Sasumu beats Jason, he holds the tiebreaker to KZ, so KZ is eliminated.
0: Mm, that is that is a very good point. Do we think Sasumu yeah. drops those two matches? Because uh, you know uh, Jason's not Jason's not going to win. As much as I would love for it to happen, Jason's not going to uh, win.
1: I maybe jason wins that match uh th- and then the Ata match i ca- i guess he's assuming going zero two here i can see him going over and then kz wins and he wins the block because he'll be the only one at six points with the direct win over kz uh over Ata, so he wins that uh he wins that head-to-head uh, tiebreaker
0: did we undersell Ata in this tournament is there a chance that he wins this block
1: uh I, I, I think that if it's not kz it'll be eta then kz wins the uh then KZ wins the Second Chance Battle Royal at this point.
0: So let me, let me think out loud for a sec, because both KZ and Ata have one more match. KZ's got Espikento, which I think is going to be a win. Ata has Susumu, mm-hmm. which could go either way. And KZ... KZ does have the tiebreaker over Ata, so... Yes. All right, so I think KZ's going to win the block.
1: Yeah, and the other thing is that KZ has his last match in Fukuyama. On the 30th, whereas all the other matches will have happened at that point. So, C block. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I, I think you're right there. I think Casey's going to win the B, B block. C block. Look, Yamato's going to win the block. Shun Skywalker is going to have a chance to win the block on the final night. And Hyo is going to beat him. And Hio is going to finish with two points. And Skywalker is going to be relegated to the Battle Royal. And it's going to be fucking awesome. I wish that show was making tape.
1: Yeah, Fukuyama making tape. I mean, one, I, I want to see how big Hio's brain gets there because it's not just it's not just like him beating him shun has to score all four points available he can't get a time limit draw he can't get a double fall he has to beat both ut and hio to win because yamato has a head-to-head tie break. so he has to beat him in the clear there so it's very fascinating because you're looking at a second chance battle royal that would either have kz or eta as good strong contenders there a block really no one else in that block can really come out of that um SB Kento, they, they, they could have that there, or they could have, like, Keisuke Okuda gets his act together during the Battle Royal and is the shocker, the, the, like, the shocking person in it. You know, like, there's a lot of ways to go to this Battle Royal. I wish it made tape. I wish this this, this whole uh, Fukuyama show made tape, you know?
0: Yeah, I'm actually very annoyed that it's not. It seems like that's something that Gate that could throw a single camera show, uh, a single cam show up there on the Dragon Gate Network, and we could watch this, because it obviously plays into the June, Cork, and Hall show, which, at, as of the time of recording, we believe is going to take place uh like you said there's no one coming out of the a block in the battle royal i still am of the mindset of menorah KZ, yamato and skywalker are going to be your final four i think yamato KZ, and Minora are going to be your block winners and i think we'll see shun win that battle royal assuming he's in it should be exciting i've really enjoyed the tournament so far and unfortunately up until the finals this is all we have that'll make tape
1: yeah and i, I i'm with you on the block winners uh Ata is someone in the battle royal I could see winning you know like th- that's interesting like this battle royal assuming that all 15 people can be in it it's wide open other than A block no one in A block's winning that battle royal I- I- I'm sorry I- I'm sorry uh Yoshida Hulk and Diamante you aren't winning this thing I mean you like look at it Jason won't win it either uh
0: I, I, I don't then, think SB Kento does. I, I think when SB no. Kento makes the semifinals and or the finals of King of Gate is going to really mean something. And this year is not that year. So you can rule him out. Uh, Dragon Kid would be cool, Could. cool, I guess, but I don't see that happening. It just seems very uncharacteristic to how they treat him. So yeah, I, I think we're looking at a you know roughly the same things we predicted at the start of the tournament. Uh, I obviously, uh, in I wish I would have really committed to Minora winning that block. I went with Doi instead of my initial predictions. with the idea But we of, didn't know. W- with the idea of Minora finishing second, I thought he would put up a good fight. But obviously Minora's going to take that block now, or at least God willing, he's going to take that block. <laughs> and that's King of Gate.
1: That is King of Gate. Uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks to talk about that. But Case, okay, so we do have something that is going to happen for everyone next week, though.
0: Ooh, please tell me, Mike.
1: As we started doing a couple of weeks ago, the first episode, full episode, of Speedstar a Masato Yoshino uh, retrospective will be happening, and we have a special guest that will be coming aboard there. Should we say who the guest is, or should we leave it as a surprise until we record?
0: Let's leave it as a surprise just because I know that's a busy man, and I would hate to over-promise and under-deliver.
1: Exactly, exactly. But it's going to be really fun. We have our three matches picked. We'll be finding ways that for the ones that aren't on the network to make them readily accessible for people. And I'm really stoked about it. I mean, it's one of those things that when we did those two matches that we did a couple of weeks ago, I, I mean, Masato Yoshino, man. Like, it's just one of those things that revisiting his career, it's like the best way to kind of treat someone of that stature in this company. You know, I mean, someone that, I mean, for 21 years is like a true innovator and is one of the... It, it, there will never be another Masato Yoshino and it's something that I'm looking forward to this the this series that we're going to go. It's not going to be weekly, as we said. We'll, we'll We'll find good places to have the show, and we might go a little bit after he retires just to see if we have more people who want to come on and there's more matches we want to cover, and I'm really looking forward to it.
0: One thing that we can say for sure is that assuming the Cork and Hall show uh, happens next week, like I said, that is supposed to be Thursday, June 3rd. Mike and I will be recording shortly after the fact on that day for your up-to-the-minute King of Gate coverage and Cork and Hall coverage. So expect, if everything goes according to plan, expect to open the voice gates uh, next week.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is true. That that is, like, the first of the month. That's right, man. My whole entire, like, my my, my mental right now. So, yep. Uh... Pudge is sick again and it's just like one of those things that's completely like put me in a tank hashtag free pudge he he caught a seven-day ban because some idiot brought his brought their dog to a daycare while they were sick so yeah and I, as, I, I'm as, fried as
0: I told mike before we started recording didn't really like i i guess it makes sense that dogs could be sick never really thought about it before <laughs> it makes yeah, sense yeah. like I, I wasn't surprised oh, yeah. when i heard it I was just like oh yeah i guess i guess that happens
1: yeah, dogs get sick, but Pudge is doing better. He's almost out of medication. It's just one of those things that, you know, when, you know, a family member, a dog, a cat, another animal, or someone's sick, you know, it's just kind of like, you, you get put in a little bit of a funk and it's just kind of things, but, you know, what always pulls me out of the funk is doing Open the Voice Gate with gay So, we had an absolute blast here tonight. Uh, anything you wanted to hit on before we got out of here?
0: Mike, where can you find us on Twitter?
1: Well, you could find both of us at Open Voice Gate Cases often there posing the questions the tough questions there about jason lee being one of the best super juniors in the world and then we also have news postings it's where we post the shows just follow open the voice gate it's a good time you can follow me at fuji Heya with two eyes like the man don fuji you can follow case at underscore in your case but that's gonna do it for open the voice gate we'll be back with you next week with the first episode of Speed Star, and as well the conclusion to the 2021 King of Gate, I got the the uh, tagline wrong, it is the Dragon Gate number one championship. We'll be doing that next week. Take care, everyone.